Hello, welcome back to Learn from a Layman. I'm Carl Christensen, joined this evening by Cameron Christensen and Tim. I want my logic back, Cox. You know, I like that actually. It uh, just about the right level of unhinged for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Who well, stole your sanity, Tim? Who stole it? <laughs> Okay, well, logic being the theme, well, one of the kind of themes of tonight's uh, podcast, we're going to be discussing uh, logical razors or philosophical razors. Um, and so if you're not familiar with what those are, we will uh, we'll cover that as well. But um wanted to start off with just a uh, – so philosophy is a very uh, broad subject, and we might eventually do kind of a – philosophy 101 type of uh, introduction um, philosophy was the class uh, I did the worst in in college Tim can attest that that went poorly uh, given that we had plans <laughs> uh, yes it was uh, anyway um, but we're going to be discussing a specific part of, of just kind of logic tonight, and that's uh, a razor. And you've heard of these before, even if you don't know that you've heard of them. Um, and one of them I'm sure that everyone's familiar with is Occam's razor. And that's if you even if you don't know the name, you've certainly heard the principle before. So, Tim, do you remember what Occam's razor is? Yes, the the simplest beard is the best looking oh my. beard. I don't remember that version of this. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, that was a Gillette ad. Never mind. Okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, it, it's isn't it something along the lines of the the simplest explanation is the uh, is most likely the best explanation. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's one. That's probably the the most well known like explanation of Occam's razor. Simpler explanations are more likely to be correct, avoid unnecessary and improbable assumptions. And so um, that kind of gives you an idea of what razors are used for in general. The kind of the rules of thumb allows you to to figure out what might be an explanation for uh, um, well anything in in the field of, of logic. So uh, allows you to eliminate un, unlikely explanations and avoid unnecessary actions is what the uh, definition is. So these are not like watertight rules, right? Sometimes uh, <clears throat> calculus really is the answer, not algebra. So uh -huh. it's, it's not the case that you can always just say, okay, well, just because this is the simplest explanation, explanation it's correct. Um, it might not cover all the cases, you know, anyway, the, these, but these are rules of thumb. These are um, kind of generic rules in order to best be able to move through a, a large series and, and set of, of information uh, well and efficiently. So uh, Occam's razor can, I guess, is, was originally stated or, or one of the very frequent ways it's stated is entities should not be multiplied without necessity. Um, and that, more well colloquially and for the layman is like what tim said just uh well, the simplest explanation usually wins and so there's been a lot of scenarios where you know that, that comes up in, in in real life um where you just want uh you want the simple you don't want to make things over overly complicated and there's kind of a bunch of the razors that we're going to talk about here in a minute are different 
kind of takes on Occam's razor, or at least have different impl implications based on what Occam's razor is. So it's a, uh, kind of a good starting place for understanding uh, that this philosophical razor. Um, let's look at uh, another uh, razor, and this one's Occam's duct tape. Um, anything that has the name duct tape in it is truly, obviously, worth discussing. <laughs> um, this one, it says, is the opposite of Occam's razor, uh, which is when someone approaches a problem with a ridiculously large number of assumptions. Uh, and so this is something you want to uh, avoid. Um, but yeah, so you, you you don't go into an argument assuming uh, a lot of things. You go in with kind of some base assumptions uh, and uh, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Uh, maxims and or um, axioms. You're trying to go for some very basic assumptions when you go into a, a logical situation so that you don't come in with all of these preconceived notions of what you're dealing with. Uh, any questions about either one of those? Not yet. Okay. Uh, I don't even have anything clever nope. or fake clever to say. Darn it. Um, we're going to go with one of my personal favorites. <laughs> this one's Hanlon's Razor. Uh, Tim or Cameron, have you ever heard of Hanlon's Razor? Nope. All right. Well, perfect. Uh, um, yes, because I Googled a bunch of razors before this podcast. Ah, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'd heard of before. Um, as well, and it's one of the ones I, know, I heard it a few years ago, and it really is very apropos of uh, <laughs> a lot of things that happen in life. Uh, probably one of my favorite ones, and one I, ones I apply on a day-to-day -day basis. It says Hanlon's razor uh, is never a tribute to malice, that which can adequately be explained by incompetence or stupidity. <laughs> I like how that's a zinger as well as a razor. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's really so uh, relevant. I mean, so, you know, when you go into any situation in life, it's really, uh, I think we've dealt with this, I think when we talked on the hotels podcast, Cameron, when we were talking about your interactions with people at the hotel, right? Um, when someone's yelling at you over the phone, <laughs> Uh, you know, because their their water is not hot or something's wrong with the, their room, right, Cameron? Um, you could assume uh, that they're doing it because they're just a bad person, right? They have malice in their heart. Um, or it can just be that they're incompetent or stupid. And so you want to kind of default to the, uh, they're not really, like, they're not going out of their way to be mean, they're just incompetent and or incapable, and therefore, uh, this is the result of that. Um, lots of situations you can imagine in the world of politics that are relevant. We don't get very political on this podcast, so don't worry. We're not going to give examples, uh, not yeah. in that realm at least. But uh, I'd imagine Tim has some examples of this in class as well. Oh, sure. I think anytime you're interacting with people, you're you invariably uh, you know, what's the word? You grate on each other. You you rub rub each other wrong. Um, and I frankly can think of times where I myself have done things that have surely bothered people. Um, and, and 
you know, as, as this razor says, with no malice intended, I just made a mistake um, or, you know, didn't didn't uh, consider or realize something until afterwards. So, yeah, I, I, I think that you made me think of another. Um, I guess it's not exactly the same, but a variation. But, you know, um, only a fool takes offense where none was intended. And um, I, I suppose those two could be put together where we we are uh, our, our initial assumption our default assumption is no offense what offense was intended and um it's a uh, e- i think applying that even when it seems pretty clear that offense was intended actually can help to de uh defuse and detoxify uh, bad situations uh, i've find that when you treat with kindness someone who you know was trying to um, uh, treat you with malice it uh, you can often undo their their anger and start a new um, you know kind of start a new stage in in the relationship so it's almost like even uh, you, you almost don't need this razor you just automatically assume that um, even if it can't be attributed to incompetence or neglect what was the other one incompetence or or stupidity or stupidity so even if it can't be attributed to incompetence or stupidity if you still um give benefit of the doubt and uh, and respond that way anyways it's it's just better for you things work out better for you in the long run yeah it's really kind of uh you know i think a lot of us get in this mindset of either a book or a movie where um there's a bad guy Right. Like there's um, like there's yeah. this whole plot and we're the, the center of the plot. And therefore, anything that uh, happens in, on our road, you know, the uh, uh, back to the future, the the the, the whatever they are there. I don't remember what country they're from that gun down Dr. Brown and I'm trying to steal the uranium. Like there's they're acting in malice and we we are at the center of this and everyone that um, that. Uh, gets in our way or causes a problem is acting in malice because this is a plot. This is a whole thread of ser- of of our novel, um, as opposed to or our movie. You know, as opposed to us just being one of the people that show up at the mall at that night. Uh, you know, when Dr. Brown gets gunned down, and they happen to also have a good reason for gunning him down. Uh, anyway, not even necessarily a good reason, but just like a this is. Uh, they're stupid. They don't realize things. They don't. Uh, this is um, there. It can be explained by something else uh, better than it can be explained by malice. The only way you can kind of give it that that explanation is to create a very egocentric, self-centric picture of what's going on in the world. And so um, Hanlon's razor never attribute to malice that which is adequately explained explained by incompetence or stupidity kind of moves you away from this picture of where you were it's an egocentric world and everyone that gets in your way is is purposefully trying to do it to you uh or purposely trying to cause a problem in the world as opposed to just ill-informed otherwise incapable um and you don't want to go around thinking of everyone as stupid but it does help uh like tim said just to go around with a little bit of um you know the benefit of the doubt for everyone else so and uh, incidentally we would appreciate it if you would apply hamlin's razor to our podcast <laughs> yeah that's true actually G- going back i've listened to some of our 
prior <laughs> podcasts. And it really is not malice when we tell you things that are, you know, only, I wouldn't say untrue, because we do have, we try really hard to make sure that they're accurate. But, you know, uh, real life uh, gets messy. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, oh, so my problem is that I always think everyone is equally as smart as I am. Right. Uh, which can work with Hamlin's razor as well if you attribute attribute to yourself incompetence and stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> so if I believe I'm stupid and incompetent, then it works out just fine. It works out. Yep. <laughs> if I, I don't understand it, that means nobody understands it. <laughs> um, also, the it's pretense for Leonard from the layman. What well, was that, Cameron? <laughs> it's because you're stupid and incompetent. That's why. It exactly. Works. I take that as uh, when so when people tell me I'm stupid and incompetent, I just assume they're applying Hanlon's razor and uh, I say thank you for being patient. (laughs) Um, Now, I I do think Hanlon's razor is a good example of, you know, just the simplest explanation wins. Um, So Occam's razor leads to Hanlon's razor in my mind, um, because Occam's razor, the simplest explanation Trying to build up a world where malice is the uh, the real reason that people do a lot of things as opposed to just incompetence is much more complicated. It is that novel, like I said, or that movie script where you have to build up this whole storyline in order to get an action that can be viewed as a malicious action as opposed to, oh, yeah, they just didn't understand that one thing and therefore um, everything else. So, And, and one note on that. I. Um, I think we would all do well to recognize that we are more inclined to apply this razor to those within our group, within our tribe, than to those outside of it. So just I'll, I'll just give a, a generalized example. Let's say I'm the member of a political party, and um, let's say a, um, a leader who I voted for or whatever in my party is, is embroiled in some scandal or whatever. Well, I'm uh, I'm more inclined to not to to give uh, to give the benefit of the doubt to that person. Let's say um, a a leader in an opposing party is embroiled in a scandal. I'm much less likely to um, I'm I'm going to attribute that tend to attribute that more to to malice or, or whatever. Um, I, I see that happening in even just in the in the politics of of my home state. The it's interesting to watch the ways that people respond to um, you know similar situations applied in one party versus the other. And as uh, as the wise sage and philosopher Dave Barry once noted, oh, the um, <laughs> Doctor Barry, I guess is Doctor. <laughs> that's right. It's a uh, if, you, if you're not familiar with Dave Barry, go and uh, read some of his stuff. He's great. <laughs> but uh, anyways, um, I, Dave Barry once in, um, noted that uh, at a, uh, an election where the uh, parties changed power, he said they, they all had to go and trade uh, uh, cue cards so they could immediately start um, using the lines that the previous party had been using. You know, they, they just... Um, you know, switch because you're always going to say the same kinds of things about your party and about the other. Anyways, right. Okay. Uh, quick recap. We've only gone over three, so not a lot to recap. But I did want to mention. So Occam's Razor, simplest 
uh, explanation. Uh, I guess there's a couple other ones uh, th that might be familiar. I, I also looked up and wanted to, to say those. It's um, when you eliminate the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. That's uh, Arthur Conan Doyle and Sherlock Holmes. So that's a, a kind of a restatement of Occam's Razor. And then Albert Einstein said things should be made as as simple as possible, but no simpler. Um, so you need to uh, satisfy all available evidence. That's Occam's Razor. We've gone over that. Now, uh, we had Occam's duct tape, or I guess that's also referred to as Occam's crazy glue or Occam's stapler. Uh, that one's uh, I didn't mention before. I, I did mention that's one you want to avoid. That's that's just an ironic one. It's like uh, it's the op like I said, the opposite of Occam's razor. Uh, don't make unnecessary and useless assumptions, or or do if you want to make a point. Essentially, um, make mm -hmm. a whole bunch of unnecessary and useless assumptions, and uh, that um, that's kind of the the point there. Um, and then we just went over Hanlon's razor. So. Moving on now, we're going to go to the Sagan Standard. This is one I was not familiar with uh, in, in name, but I was familiar with in principle or the actual the, uh, statement of it is extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Mm -hmm. um, I guess this is kind of like Uncle Ben um, with great power comes great responsibility. Did he say that? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I mean, that's obviously pretty self-explanatory. If someone claims, so this is the example that I, I looked up, if someone claims that their, uh, you know, their shaman, their religious teacher or whatever can contact the dead, see the future, read minds, um, then they have to back it up by extraordinary evidence, uh, live demonstration, for example. You know, just you need to be able to, uh, in this world of logic and uh, empirical evidence, you need to be able to verify. Uh, and so if you're making some extraordinary claim about, uh, say, for example, you're, you're saying that I uh, did cold fusion. Let's say I'm the University of Utah. And I claim <laughs> that I could do cold fusion. This may or may not have happened. It actually absolutely did happen. Um, they claimed that there was... they. They had these test results that showed that they were able to produce cold fusion that netted um, a, a large amount of energy, uh, and then it came to be found uh, that, that that was untrue, that it would just, from what I remember, it was just a, a bad reading or something along those lines, but unfortunately it made it to the press before they had uh, verified it. And so um, when you make an extraordinary claim like that, have extraordinary evidence available to you straight away. <laughs> Um, any examples, Tim? Any, any comments or Cameron? Cameron, you go. Uh, I was going to say, unfortunately, when Carl said Uncle Ben, I thought of Rice. So oh, right. Spider Man, which, which makes me feel really silly right now. Of Rice? Uh, it's yes. a Rice brand. Uncle Ben's. Rice. <laughs> <My> <laughs> <word>. <laughs> Cameron, you are a chef, so. <laughs> um, wow, I, I felt really. I, I feel that my geek card has to be returned for a brief moment. Um, yeah, no, no, I, I, I totally agree with that because I mean, if you're, if you're coming, saying something, you know, you, you gotta be able to back it up. You gotta have all that evidence and that everything, because I mean, I, it, it goes along with a couple other razors that I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, 
but yeah, you, you have to have the evidence to to back it up, or it kind of I think leads into um, the. So there is one that's similar. Let me let me it's, hit that one for you. There's, I think it's Hume. I think it's pronounced Hume. Hume's razor. David Hume. By the way, that one Sagan's um, Sagan standard is, is from Carl Sagan. Uh, uh, I'm no, Sagan. Okay. I don't know. Sagan. I, 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 I will yeah. give you the uh, the caveat that all of these pronunciations are either informed from a philosophy class that I took 20 years ago, or just my layman inability to pronounce anything that is not a Danish or English name. So, mm-hmm. um, or Dutch actually. Come to think of it, I can pronounce some Dutch names if I know that they're Dutch beforehand. Hume's razor, uh, related to, in my mind at least, related somewhat to Sagan's standard. If the cause assigned for any effect be not sufficient to produce it, we must either reject that cause or add to it such qualities as will give it a just proportion to that to, to the effect. Uh, so essentially, uh, you can't uh, attribute to some event a bunch of uh, effects that that could not be, that can't logically be uh, assigned to that cause, right? Like Tim sneezed and therefore uh, I tripped, um, you know, are those things related? No, right? That, that, that There's not sufficient evidence to, to assume that there's anything related. Tim sneezed and, and my house fell over, um, you know, anything along those lines. That's a really random example. Um, it seems to be a the counter counterpart of a logical fallacy, right? The, so not applying that is, or the opposite of that is a logical fallacy, where we we assume causation by due to association or right. Is there a logical fallacy? What's that one called? Yeah, well, they can go back and listen to our logical fallacies episode if they want to listen. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you'll have to go find out. That's right. Yeah. We do have a logical fallacy episode, and there are some, yeah, there's a lot of overlap. These are kind of restatements of rules of thumb as opposed to, yeah, yeah um, pointing out particular fallacious logical um, methods of, of uh, uh, coming up with an argument. So, but, uh, but yeah, this is... You know, the slight gust of wind isn't enough to cause a Boeing 747 to crash. Fall and power line isn't enough to cause a nationwide blackout. Um, and like I said, Tim sneezing probably didn't kill my guinea pig. Wait, cool. Did you? Okay. Um, the butterfly effect, Carl. Butterfly effect. That's right. Tim. That's the, the, the butterfly razor. Okay. Well, so, yeah, the... You can't assign something, and uh, those are all silly examples, right? But there are frequent examples in the real world where this is, this does happen. Something small, ergo something large, um, uh, but it doesn't follow, right? Um, and so you need to be, so Hanlon's razor is make sure that you're only assigning to uh, effects to something that that uh, that can actually explain those effects. Okay, um, let's hit a couple more here. We've got uh, Hitchens' razor now. Uh, this is from Christopher Hitchens. What can be asserted without evidence can also be dismissed without evidence. <laughs> so this is uh, so while I uh, those little names I give Tim at the beginning of every episode. 
can, can <laughs> dismiss those without evidence <laughs> because they are asserted without evidence. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this happens all the time, right? If somebody calls you um, a name uh, without, you know, or attribute something to you that's unfair, uh, then you can dismiss it with no with no evidence. Just saying there is no reason for them to call you uh, racist, for example. You can say you can just dismiss it. Say uh, that is absolutely untrue. Move on. Uh, you don't need to bring up evidence when no evidence has been introduced to begin with. So um, if you need to uh, to introduce something, you need to begin with evidence. And that's kind of Hitchens, uh, Hitchens razor. Uh, a couple uh, other examples they came up with uh, in this article that I looked up. It said if I claim to, uh, this is a similar thing. If I claim to be able to contact the dead, I need to prove it. So that's very much like uh, was that uh, Sagan's standard. All, all some of these, like I said, overlap quite a bit. Um, is there a one eight hundred number you provide to contact the dead? <laughs> Well, I guess uh, if they can charge, if I can charge enough for it, didn't we at one point started start offering um, meteor insurance to them? Uh, <laughs> so. No doubt. Yeah. Sign up today for a 50 percent discount. So our uh, we're asserting that we can assure you, uh, insure you without evidence. Again, um, whatever. Anyway. Don't apply these razors to our inane babbling. Okay, um, next one. Let's move on to <laughs> this one's um, just kind of silly, uh, but uh, you'll hear it, and you've probably heard it before. This is the duck test. If it looks uh, like a duck, yes. swims like a duck, and quacks like a duck, then it is probably a duck. Except in certain cases of perhaps a witch trial. <laughs> I would say or it's a platypus. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, so this one, you know, I guess all, all of these take them with, like I said, as a rule of thumb. You know, it's um, so this is, I guess, about ab abductive reasoning and drawing the most con likely conclusion given the evidence. So. Um, you want uh, you want to be careful with this because sometimes just because you see a certain set of facts and therefore you said oh it must be a duck yeah you might be missing a some facts that are uh, that do yeah lead you to a different conclusion that oh actually that is a platypus um, for example if it's wearing a hat and there's a Phineas and Ferb music going on even if it is quacking like a duck that is absolutely Perry. <laughs> You know, Phineas and Ferb, and this is maybe going beyond the uh, purview of what most of our listeners are familiar with. I'm familiar with it because I have children. Um, I'm a big Phineas and Ferb fan. Yeah, Phineas and Ferb, wonderful. You know, um, yeah, as an adult who discovered Phineas and Ferb as an adult, I recommend it to any of you. <laughs> high quality content. Quite. Okay, um, a few more of these. Um, we have Poppers. False falsifiability. Boy, that's hard to say. Uh, principle. Is this, is this uh, related to Orville Redenbacher? Falsifiability. That's how you say it. Well, I was close. Orville Redenbacher's falsifiability popcorn. Carl Popper. Not related to Mr. Redenbach, and uh, and no, it was also not uh, 
he did not produce popcorn. Um, <laughs> it is easy to obtain confirmations or verifications for nearly every theory if we look for confirmations. Every genuine test of a theory is an attempt to falsify it or refute it. Ah. Uh, so that's, uh, that's, this that's is, kind of the foundational philosophy of science, right? The, the right. null hypothesis. We, yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, so, yeah, you've got to, um, uh, it must be falsifiable. So in order for something to be considered scientific, it needs to be falsifiable, and that's uh, important. And you see these all over the time, uh, all over the place. And I believe this was also one of these, um, one of the logical uh, fallacies that we discussed. But you need the ability to be falsifiable. If there's, if it's not a falsifiable claim, then what are we doing here? Um, but this, it does. Uh, the statement of it, I thought was. Um, it's, it says it's easy to obtain confirmations or verifications if you look for confirmations, and that's where you get your confirmation bias going on. So um, even if it is a falsifiable theory, you want to go into any new theory that you're trying to adopt, not with looking for confirmation, but looking for false uh, falsifiability. You need to be able to say aliens um, that ex do aliens exist. If you go in trying to find reasons to believe that aliens exist, I'm sure you'll find something. Uh, but if you go in with the idea that, uh, you know, I need to find see if I can falsify this, then you're going to go in as a skeptic. And science is inherently uh, skeptical. So uh, that's oh. yeah. go ahead. Oh, I'll provide a, a maybe more more commonplace example. The um, we, we do this a lot with our health and how how we feel. You, you know, uh, I, I've this cold has been going around and I got it. And my friend says, hey, you know, if you if you drink this uh, such and such or take such and such product, it, it'll uh, it'll make clear that cold right up. And, you know, I've, I've had the cold for a week now and I'm just languishing. And my friend tells me this. and I say, all right, let, I'll just pick some like grapefruit juice. OK, I'll I'll start drinking a lot of grapefruit juice. And sure enough, within five days, my cold is gone. And so I say, "Ooh, that that grapefruit juice really did the trick um, where I'm seeking to verify it rather than seeking to, to falsify it. And, well, you know what the even though, you know, most colds run, you know, say between one and two weeks. And so I started taking the grapefruit juice one week in and, and my cold cleared right up. Well, was it going to clear right up with or without the grapefruit juice? Yeah, most likely. So I, um, I've just verified something that I was looking to verify. Um, so, so we'll see people and, and sometimes we're driven to this by desperation. Well, nothing else works. So I'm going to try this and maybe I don't even know if it'll work or not, but, um, a lot of things that we we seem to have proven as true only appear true because, as you say, we were seeking to verify. Right. Yeah. And that, that is the case in a lot of things. I was um, looking recently at a uh, – <laughs> not to turn off any of our audience, but if you're familiar with multi-level marketing companies – Wait, Carl, Carl, no, this might be a way for us to monetize. Let's be alone. Um, you know, you uh, you kind of get this this mentality a lot is is despite the fact that they've that the, the product or whatever it is has 
or, or even just the, the the structure has proven to be kind of well very problematic um people want to hold to it because they've got bought in in some way either monetarily or or you know invested in, in it in you know emotionally and therefore despite the fact it's been falsified falsified um they cling to it and uh and you know that's uh i guess let's see this is popper actually had seven rules about how um how to distinguish between science and pseudoscience and one of them was you know these theories that are proven to be false but then are upheld by people that admire it um it's you can always do that you can try to find ways around uh, this the, the the science uh but you're doing it at the price of destroying the actual scientific nature of the principle or you know in this case a multi-level marketing company's actual viability is a structure and uh, a structure that actually ends up um, benefiting society and the people involved as a whole so um yeah, you you need to be able to uh, look at these things kind of in a dispassionate way. And so this is, like I said, this is a scientific. I don't know how many of you are there are out there are religious. This is not. A, we're not discussing religious principles. This is a scientific uh, take on uh, on logic. Once again, so okay. Um, does, does this bring us to Newton's flaming sword? Laser? I was going to get to Newton's flaming sword. Yes. Uh, yes. Do you have that one looked up, Cameron? Do you want to tell us what uh, Newton's flaming sword, uh, flaming laser sword is? Flaming laser sword. <laughs> yes. Flaming. It must be Newton's flaming laser sword. <laughs> uh, if something cannot be settled by experiment, it is not worth debating. Is what I have. Yep. Yep. So, so Mike, also known as so other uh, the name Newton's flaming laser sword. I mean, talk about a cool name. It's like when on our uh, our uh, quantum physics podcast we talked about the higgs boson also known as the god particle i mean if you can give your your thing a name like newton's flaming laser sword or the god particle you've won already like if that's adopted <laughs> yeah i mean you're already the the battle is won and you've succeeded um and like uh, so, but uh, also that's... known as alder's razor much less cool uh, but Mike Alder, I guess, is the person, uh, Australian mathematician. Um, he coined the term Newton's flaming laser sword. That which cannot be settled by experiment is not worth debating. So, um, and that, unfortunately, very often in life and, and in social circumstances, we do debate something that cannot be settled by experiment. Uh, that is, if we probably, if we stop debating all the things that cannot be settled by experiment, um, you know, all of the sports conversations in the world would die tomorrow. Um, so would, if you think about it. So would what, Cameron? Politics. Oh. Well, if you think about it, actually, sports conversation, most of them can be resolved by experiment. It all come, it, it, The game is the experiment. Who wins, you know? Right, but it, I don't know how much you listen to talk uh, sports talk radio, Tim. I, I may have that off on in the background frequently while I work, and uh, they're no longer talking about games anymore. It's what about this player goes here? What what happened if so and so did this? Uh, it's all of these these uh, hypotheticals, and uh, these cannot be settled by experiment. I mean, I guess technically they could, but you can't you you can't go put such and such a player on such a, such and such a team. Uh, therefore. 
debating it is not worth doing it. Well, so, so here, here's a question about about Newton's flaming laser sword. D- does he mean it can't be set? Uh, it's not worth debating if it can't be can, um, settled by an experiment, like if it's not the type of thing that could be settled by an experiment. Or does he mean it's not worth debating if it can't be settled by an experiment that we can actually do to settle it? You see what, I, you see what I'm asking? Not worth debating if you can't do an experiment to yeah. prove or can't actually go out and do it. Okay. Yeah. Be like, right. you know, like, right. like, and we'll do this experiment and it'll show that I'm right. And then if I end up being wrong, you can be like, you just got laser sorted. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. I, I think, I think, I guess my point was that socially we we discuss a lot of things that are not uh these this scientific or logical um conclusion of 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 this razor so but yeah he he was discussing uh, let's see there's this whole paragraph i'm not going to read the whole thing but essentially it says in a nutshell you should only you should generally only focus on problems that can be solved by a combination of experimentation and reasoning and not just argumentation if it's possible to perform an experiment to settle the matter you should um, so he said he, he came up with this uh, when he was thinking about, uh, as a young child, what would happen if an irresistible force acted on an immovable object? Uh-huh. Right. Like, okay. Uh, Caught between a rock and a windy place. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so I uh, I don't know Tim if it, I I don't think he's this is more on the scientific footing or the logical footing once again as opposed to a you know a social water cooler talk uh, type of uh, application of of Newton's flaming laser sword. Um, but uh, but yeah, it does mention that you know history, politics, those types of things. You know, if you are debating something that that you can't do anything to to actually prove then you're just debating for the sake of debate and some people do that right that's that's even a thing in the world <laughs> there are debate teams out there they're not actually trying to solve something they're trying to get better at debate um so but in the in the realm of, of science and logic why debate something when you can't actually come to any type of useful conclusion mm. um well, I, I think it should just be, we should really see if Tim can eat 15 hot dogs. <laughs> I'm willing to ex- uh, provide the experiment to laser sword this assumption if you will provide the hot dogs. All right. <laughs> this, this does remind me, though, once again, of, of kind of the um, multiverse situation where, like, are there alternate universes and are there uh, other versions of yourself like, okay, um, tell me how you're going to experiment on that, right? Uh, so should we really discuss things that cannot be experimented upon? Okay, maybe if you want to make a blockbuster movie, sure, go ahead. But uh, if you're trying to come up with a law of physics, move move along, please. Mm-hmm. All right, a couple more before we wrap up. Uh, we've got uh, Grice's razor. Pardons to... Mr. Grice, if that's not how you say your name. Uh, but uh, Paul Grice said conversational implications are to be preferred over semantic context for linguistic explanations. Uh, try to wrap your head around that one, but this is uh, it's a. I'm going to take a stab at it. 
don't go after what the speakers um, literally said, what he meant. Right, exactly. It's it's so often we do this for fun, right? We we, we try to skewer someone on on the on their the literal meaning. Um, it take take their words, take them out of context. No, no, you over contextualize their. Okay. So it says this, a good uh, most people are poor communicators and struggle to find just the right words and examples to express themselves. Even despite our best efforts, the words don't always come out right or the mm-hmm. way we intended them to. Sometimes people are also trying to express an idea they don't even know how to articulate. So you want to uh, another way I've, I've read this it says uh, conversational implications are to be preferred over semantic context for linguistic explanations. So conversational implications meaning Try to figure it out in context as opposed to um, trying to semantically parse the words, if that makes sense. You 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 don't want to pull. Um, and this is something actually I see a lot in in philosophy debates is people really over parse and over semant semanticize. I'm not sure that's a word. Um, <laughs> but you know you you uh, they delve too deep. This is um, this is the minds of Moria right here. Would um, it be similarize? Uh, sure, sure. But uh, back to the minds of Moria, Moria example here. You you don't want to go so deep in in the words, the specific words that they're saying, um, that you find the Balrog. Um, you want to find the context of uh, the the things that are being said, uh, so that you can actually understand what is going on, um, what is trying to be communicated. So that's Grice's razor. It's it, yeah. It's looking for the the intent of the, uh, the utterance as opposed to the uh, literal text of the utterance. I I would probably put the caveat on here that this is um, I, as I was reading about this, I was thinking um, judicial law. You know, the Supreme Court is supposed to take the uh, Supreme Court of the United States. Like I said, we have a lot of people outside of the United States that listen to the podcast, but uh, they're supposed to take the text of the the constitution and apply it uh or it or are they supposed to take the meaning of the constitution the where this gets a bit tricky is um do you understand the meaning uh independent of the words or because of the words and so that's um it's it's this linguistic dance that we always do in in life is you're listening to the words therefore you're getting the meaning but it uh, you can't then say I under, I get the meaning without listening to the words. Um, so there is uh, interplay here for sure. But Grice's razor is when I'm listening to so and so explain their their logic, uh, try to grasp the meaning as opposed to over parsing the words that they're trying to uh, that they're using in 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 explaining. And again, the the general idea that you you give grace and and benevolence to the people around you, or um, you give grace. Grace, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, exactly. And, and even if I don't think this is necessarily initially meant to be like a a a razor of of like uh, beneficence, uh, this is a razor of just the best way to uh, understand people. Uh, even in a utilitarian view is just don't overly fasten on on their um you know on on their eccentricities as opposed to just finding oh yeah this is what they mean 
So it, it, it is funny how how tightly connected kindness and utilitarianism are. Kindness really is utilitarian. <laughs> it's true. Um, OK, I think I've got one more here that we wanted to discuss before we. Then I've got one more as well. But... Oh, do you? Yeah. Do you really? Yeah, I might yeah, have to. <laughs> Okay, so what, one other um, razor I wanted to hit on was uh, Tarswell's razor, James Tarswell, uh, where it says, where there is passion, the truth cannot be trusted. Um, so that very, uh, so the idea of high emotion leads to high bias. Science and the justice system hold that dispassion is the core of their inter intentions. So you need to be a dispassionate science, a scientist. You need to be a dispassionate, dispassionate judge. If you are, uh, you know, you can a zealot is only appropriate in religious senses, or or maybe a salesperson. Um, that's where you can, if you are a person of strong emotions, uh, go uh, go get one of those uh, types of uh, employment um, employment jobs, as some would call them. Uh, <laughs> Tarswell's razor says when you're going to be working in logic and, and science, uh, there cannot be a, lar a large amount of passion. So if you hear a scientist arg arguing passionately about their uh, research, you have to ask yourself if they've gone beyond the realm of science, uh, because it's no longer the case that they are just stating the facts and letting the facts do the work. They feel like they are now an uh, evangelist for their point of view which is no longer a scientific point of view. Um, and so in some cases, people have to wear a couple hats and you need to both be the scientist and the evangelist. But I think it's that's often dangerous. You need to try to disambiguate those where you can so the scientists are just scientists. They are trying to falsify ideas. They're trying to apply hypotheses and come up with theories. Um, and uh, and that that's also the case with judges. You don't want to you don't want a judge that's super passionate. Uh, you want one that's very uh, dispassionate, very uh, by the book. And uh, and then if there's something wrong with the book, then somebody needs to fix that. So. And I, I think we could say in, in a perfect world, that's how it should be. I, I think, you know, the <clears throat> I, I'm. For example, say a um, a doctor. I'm trying to remember uh, specific names, but there's doctor, the doctor who um, discovered, or one of the keys doctors in discovering hygiene, um, and he spent years trying to convince the scientific community that um, of these hygienic practices, which would have lowered mortality in uh, in childbirth greatly. Um, but he was, you know, uh, pushed to the side and and derided and so forth. You know, I, I, I can imagine a doctor like that, you know, pursuing this uh, his uh, angle with passion. Um, that then that doesn't mean that his science is bad or anything. Um, but but I, I see what you're saying where there's always that you have to be be wary of that. Because passion can can then blind you from further um, truth or or understanding, right? Yeah, I feel like the the vac the vaccine for um, what uh, what's the most common antibacterial um, shot? Not bacterial, the anti is penicillin. 
Uh, oh. I feel like if it wasn't that one, it was, it was one around the same time period that uh, it was discovered, uh, started being put to use, and then it didn't find quick traction. And so the scientists said, oh, whatever, I'm going to move on. Um, where it was years, uh, year, years later that they actually said, oh, actually, this has got incredible implications. So, yes. But I guess the point is that if it's the scientist that becomes passionate about the subject, they then often start ignoring the science. So then if you are uh, the the guy that's giving the penicillin shot and you after being the uh, evangelist about it as well, if some the side effects start coming up and you don't want to talk about them because you're also the evangelist, then you've lost your yeah. credibility. Right. Yeah. So you want the science to speak for itself. And you want so everyone needs a good uh, a good salesman in their life that they can say, hey, look, I came up with this. Uh, every scientist should go paired with a good salesman, I guess, is my point. So uh, get yourself you a good go. salesman. Um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that's that's um, I think those are all the razors that I wanted to hit. Um, so once again, let's see if I can go through these. It was Occam's razor. Uh, then we talked a little bit about Occam's duct tape. Uh, the. Um, Hanlon's razor, Sagan standard, Hitchens razor, Hume's razor, which is also known as Hume's guillotine, parenthetically, also cool. Um, the duck test, Popper's falsifiability principle, Newton's flaming laser sword, Grice's razor, and then we finally wound up with Tarswell's razor. So uh, hopefully those are interesting and useful. Tim, what are you saying? So this is a, a um, kind of philosophical law that will help you with planning kind of preparing for the future it's a uh, murphy's law if um you guys know that one if something goes wrong it can go wrong it will go wrong if anything can go wrong it will that's right oh, that's what i meant yes <laughs> that's the one uh yes yes uh that's more a um uh that's not so much philosophical or scientific per se well, speak for yourself. I've proved it <laughs> right many times, and not just because I was looking to um, to verify. <laughs> no, of course not. There's no confirmation bias, bias and trying to find everything wrong in your life and trying to assign the <laughs> a cause, a, a, a one cause. I think we've got a bunch of razors that were being violated here. So. Um, <laughs> Okay. Um, like I said, this has relevance uh, uh, with a lot of our previous podcasts, as far as, uh, as but in particular the um, the uh, was it, what am I going for, Tim? For what? Um, I'm, I've lost you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have. Um, the <laughs> logical fallacy. That's it. Logical oh, yeah, fallacy yeah. podcast. That's what we're going for. I'm really struggling at the end of these podcasts. That last <laughs> podcast that we did, I tripped over a word for 30 seconds and didn't give up. Don't so, worry, Carl. We attribute it to um, not to malice, but to incompetence. Uh, <laughs> never give up. Never surrender. <laughs> uh, what was the word, if I may ask? In the last podcast? Remember, yeah. I was trying to say that our Basics of Economics podcast was bringing the house down and a barn burner at the same time. Oh, yes. Bur bringing a barn burner down or something. 
very, uh, very, um, I'm, I'm an amazing orator, essentially, is what we're saying here, um, which is why I have Learn It From a Layman is the name of our podcast. That's so, right. Um, a couple things to mention right before, we before we sign off. Well, oh, and I've got one thing to mention that's actually serious. So. Okay. Cameron, what you were saying? I was saying you're an amazing orator like Booker T. I am certainly not along those lines, am I? <laughs> uh, but I give it my best, darn it. Um, Tim, what, what do you want to mention? Oh, oh that? I just I just wanted to to speak when when we talk about all these logical kind of razors and and um, things that they're a, a great lens uh, through which to see the world more clearly. And as an English teacher and a person of faith, I just want to um, urge caution in how we apply these and and uh, suggest that we apply these with a bit of humility. I think sometimes we pick up these these razors and stuff and we run around and we gleefully start chopping the world up and, um, you know, debunking and and um, deducing and and reducing um, the entire human experience. And um, I think that, um, you know, handle with care, um, not not that we shouldn't debunk something that's. Um, you know, that's not true or, or is is problematic. But I would also suggest and again, this I'm speaking from my perspective as a, a person of faith that um, some things are just beyond our our scientific and logical um, the our ken. Um, and so, you know, our, our very existence and, and the deepest questions about the human human life and human experience, um, you know, God and is God real in our relationship with God? Um, I, I think we should tread with care um, and and re- recall that, you know, things about um, experimentation and so forth. You know, we, we can't experiment on the purpose of of our existence or the meaning of life. Um, and some people, I, I think, uh, overzealously applying all of these kind of logical um, things will, will therefore dismiss, um, you know, for example, religious uh, thought on the purpose of life and, and the meaning of life and, and the existence of God and all these things. And I, I'm not going to, you know, of course, tell, you know, all of you listeners out there whether you should um, be a person of faith. Or, or an atheist or an agnostic or whatever. I think everyone should, you know, should choose their path for themselves. But when, when you speak with others about these deepest things, um, you know, you use these razors with care and with kindness and beware of the, the fallacy of overzealously applying them to things that, um, you know, maybe are beyond the realm of experimentation anyways. Yeah, I Sorry, think this sure that's making sense, but yeah, for sure. I just I, I think um, I uh, my dad, who we have had on this podcast before, also, if you want to go back and listen to our college English episode, uh, I, when I was a kid, gave me the book um, uh, The Limits of Science by Peter Medawar. And uh, he, I believe himself, was an atheist and or he still is alive and he is an atheist. Um, but he. Uh, said 
to uh, he claimed in the book he said there are limits to science and let's uh, let's be aware what the, of what those are and, and leave to religious people religious topics and uh, so he you know I, that's uh, I guess the yeah the bound on these things and that's why I wanted to, to state that and, and uh, disambiguate here these are scientific and logical laws um, not only they're not applied religiously they uh, also are not great water cooler talk um, so uh, these are, are are educational principles used uh, appropriately. So put them in your toolbox, uh, uh, apply them as need be. Don't go out there with a hammer and hit everything that looks like a nail. So um, because not everything will end up being a nail, and you might just break something. It's like you're told not to run with scissors. A razor is even sharper than scissors. Uh-huh. So be- ooh, that's we'll call that Cameron's. Razor um, sheet. Cameron's razor's razor. <laughs> Don't run with a razor. <laughs> Cameron's four-blade Gillette razor of I'm up to six plasma. <laughs> right, I'm I'm four. Yeah, four blades. That's like two decades ago. <laughs> um. I- uh, Mr. Dr. Barry actually wrote a column about um, razors and their evolution that they'll start to look like uh, some the biplanes of the old days of going, you know, six, seven. <laughs> right. Not as... um, okay, so as we're wrapping up, last thing I said in our last podcast, if you listen to that one, um, the we are nearing the 100,000 download number for our for total downloads across our library and our listener base is growing. uh, So appreciative once again to everyone that's finding us and subscribing and or reviewing us and giving us nice reviews. Um, So can please continue. Uh, I think some of you may have noticed that we did get an ad that was not really of our doing, but uh, we might leave it on. We'll see. Uh, So far it's made us almost two dimes. So, uh, let's just say we're not doing this for profit still, but uh, um, yeah, we uh, we appreciate. It. Uh, let's see, uh, India and the UK still. UK is pulled into the second place, uh, um, but uh, Canada is coming up strong for fourth. So um, Canadians, eh? Um, uh, that was the grade I was giving them. I wasn't trying to be Canadian. Um, and uh, then all across the United States, we are, uh, yeah, we've got listeners in every state. So, uh, and a lot in some states, California, uh, my my current home, grateful for the hundreds and hundreds and potentially thousands of people that listen to us here. So, um, yeah, like I said, hopefully if you have something that you want to, to uh, say, let us hear it on Facebook, learn from a layman there, uh, Twitter, or on our email, go to our website, learnfromalayman.podbean.com, and we will uh, be back again next episode.